Hi, I'm Tara. And I'm Steph. And we're from Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors. And our team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. With Kobo Writing Life, authors can now publish audiobooks and ebooks right in their KWL account. We don't ask for exclusivity, and you'll always control your pricing in up to 16 currencies. You can also create a pre-order for your audio and ebooks with no date limitations. We have a lot of great promotional opportunities for Kobo Writing Life authors available in the Promotions tab right in their KWL dashboard. If you're an author and you don't have access to the Promotions or Audiobooks tab, email us at writinglife@kobo.com and we'll get you sorted. We're all about providing excellent support. Create your free account today at kobo.com slash writinglife. If you want to learn more about Kobo Writing Life, check out our blog, podcast, and find us on social. Happy writing! Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out, school's in session. This is Writer's In. Well, welcome to the 100th episode of the Writer's Inc. podcast live from the Career Author Summit. Nashville 2021, so we're really excited to be here in the room with all of you and uh, with all of our virtual attendees to celebrate not only the the summit and uh, and the gathering together, but also uh, 100 episodes of this crazy podcast that that we started a few years ago. So uh, we were just talking about um, me not doing a, a friends montage uh, for for the hundred episodes, uh, but we but it is kind of a it is kind of a special milestone, uh, especially for podcasters because when you do a weekly podcast, uh, it's it's hard to sustain it, um, and I, and I think too the reason uh, the reason it, it hasn't been as challenging is because. I got these guys with me, uh, who I consider uh, great friends and mentors and confidants. And when you have people around you, you surround yourself with people who are like-minded and you can count on. Makes all the difference in the world. So, thanks, guys, for being a part of this. You get all teary-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm make JD let's, cry. Yeah, that was my that was my goal. I mean, this is only like episode 20 for me. So no. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's where we are. We're glad you're here. Glad you're part of it. And so uh, now what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to turn it into the into the monthly Q and A episode that we always do. And now it happens to be live. So with that, I'll turn it over to Zach, and he's going to manage the Q's and the A's. Yeah, we've got a mix. Of, we have some questions from Patreon uh, from our patron supporters, but uh, also, of course, want to open up to everyone here. Um, hopefully, you haven't used all your questions today. So um, and our virtual people in Slack and our virtual yeah good point our virtual people in Slack as well so I'll be managing multiple devices I guess as we go um, so but I'll start off with a question from Patreon and then uh, we can open it up to people here as well um, so Christian Matthews asks uh, being in the age of instant media at your fingertips where everyone's attention is divided how can an author stand out from the multitude I think that's a you question. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, I, I read a lot of books, and there's a few that I've revisited. And if you go back and read something that was written in the 80s or 90s, like, a lot of these books had a very slow build to them. You know, you could get 50, 100 pages in before the story really started unfolding. You, you can't do that anymore. You've got to grab the readers from the, the get-go and, and hold on to them. Um, I'm lucky enough where I'm writing, you know, action thrillers, suspense horror, things like that, where, you know, I'm in a world where I, where I can do that. Um, but that, that's always forefront in my mind, you know, like I, I make sure I come up with something that's going to grab them from that first sentence or the first paragraph. Definitely don't let them get past that first page without something that's going to make them want to turn to the next one. Um, I mentioned at the end of Caller's Game, I write literary popcorn, and that's kind of how I think about it. You know, it's, I want them to just keep reaching into that bucket, and I just use the words to, to make sure that they do that. Nice. Yeah, and I, th I think taking it even a step further in that, like going beyond the book as well, um, you know, we talked a lot about branding today, and I think that there's a lot with that as well. And, and, you know, from those two great talks we had earlier, you know, like one of the biggest things was like, you know, be authentic, be yourself, but like figure out how you're going to portray that out into the world. Um, because no one can replicate you. Like you're an individual, there's no one else like you. Um, so I, I think that too, like just building that personal brand is, it, it goes really far in setting yourself apart and grabbing attention. I don't know, you have any th additional thoughts on that? I, no, not, not anything profound. I just think that uh, we might be in a time where it's just impossible to compete with some of the other yeah. media. Like, you know, it's, are you, can I, I, like, I can't write a book that's going to compete with a 10-episode a Netflix series that someone's watching. Like, it's just not the same thing. So I don't even know if that's top of mind for me right now. Yeah, I get that. I'll ask one more from Christian because it's kind of um, related to what I was just talking about, too. Uh, how important is a personal brand compared to book branding? <laughs> I almost feel like we should have Dana and uh, Lisa answer that. <laughs> means everything. <laughs> means everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, do you guys have any thoughts for the podcast audience on that? I mean, I honestly do, and we talked about it earlier when I when I gave my talk. I mean, we're we're circling back, and you know, I've got a series of books. I've got a lot of standalones, but you know, we, we've come up with a trademark version of my name that we're using to brand all of the, the books, all the way, you know, all my titles all around the world with this particular image of my name, um, because we want people to see that and identify that with the writing that that falls behind. So, if you think of it as a series, the reason people come to a series is because things are familiar. They want to pick up that second book because they read the first book. If you're branding your author, you know persona or your name or whatever, if you're creating that trademark image, that becomes series in a, in a certain way. Like people see that and they, they know what to expect. You know, the, the biggest name authors, they've been doing it for years. You know, I, I buy Stephen King books because his name is on the cover. It doesn't really matter what it's about because I know what to expect. I know there's going to be a good story there. Um, that's where I'm going with, you know, next level. I'm, I'm shooting for brand. Yeah, and I think there was, there was one thing Dana said earlier in her talk that really resonated with me that really got me thinking was, like how to tie your whole brand together, like looking for those, uh, looking for those things that are, are uh, common between all your different books. And I started thinking for me, I'm like, huh, I'm like, okay, like, so I write post-apocalyptic, all my characters are like normal everyday people. They're not like in the military, they're not survivalists. They're like, they're just normal people trying to survive in this extraordinary thing. Most of my stories take place in the Southern United States. Like, and I started really thinking about that type of stuff. and. And really, uh, and, and looking at your brand that way, like going beyond genre, um, that was that was a really good thing that I loved from your talk that really got me thinking. I think all that stuff is super important. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. not sure there's a distinction between book branding and author branding at this yeah. point. I they're, they're kind of they're kind of the same thing. And I'm really excited for all of you because I've learned so much 
recently from, from Stephanie Bond and, and when she's going to talk about what she's doing in, with serialized fiction and how that ties into branding, it just all kind of lined up for me and it, it, it made so much sense. And I think it is sort of a, a blurring of lines between author and book. I think they're becoming synonymous and you are your book and your book is your brand and, it, and it's, it's all one. So I, I would encourage Christians to, to, to think more about taking a holistic approach and saying, this, this is my this is all of me, and it includes the books. I want to give an uh, opportunity for anyone in the audience here live to ask a question. Anybody have any questions for Stephen? This is for Jay and JD. So what Thanks. Are you guys <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm just messing. When are you guys going to change the intro to include Zach on it? Oh, there you go. That's, that's a great question. That's great. <laughs> I almost, I've actually almost as a joke emailed them like one where I just go into Zach Bohannon and they're like over the top, you know? So, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, when, when he's around for 100 episodes, we're all over. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's fair. Well, well done. Tom's favorite interview? That's a you question. Oh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're doing the heavy lifting there. That is, uh, that's kind of like asking a parent their favorite child. Like, I, I don't... That's the answer, Lee Child. Lee Child. No, I, yeah, I'm kind of, uh, I'm working on a project right now that uh, we're, not, we're not talking too much about yet, but it's requiring me to go back and listen to a lot of the interviews and, and kind of take some notes on them and, and think about them. And, you know, every, every interview is, is such a unique experience. And, and the, the people that, that JD is able to, to trick into coming on our show, <laughs> like the, the caliber and the quality of the people, regardless of their craft, is amazing. And, and I find myself in awe of, of, of these people. And so it's hard to, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, would, I would have to say, the way I'll answer it is I'll say, I, there are certain interviews where I felt like I had an instant rapport with the person on the other end. Josh Mallerman is one. I think if you listen to the Josh Mallerman interviews, <laughs> you hear that. Josh and I hit it off right away. Um, and more recently, I think Hugh Howie, um, like uh, our, our catch-up conversation, and then we kind of said, hey, you want to you know, you come back on and update us on, on the wool production? And he was like, oh, absolutely, and he was all over it. So it's, it's always dangerous to start naming certain names and then you leave out everybody else, but like those are the two that top of mind where I felt like, I felt like I knew those guys for years, and, and those, are the, those are the interviews that are the easiest to do. I mean, from my standpoint, I mean, Lee Child was, was huge, um, mainly because he talked about a lot of things he doesn't normally talk about. I mean, he's, he's been on television a million different times, but we kind of pulled back the curtain and got to hear a little bit from, you know, about his process, which I thought was cool. Um, a lot of the television and film stuff to me is, is really nice. Um, like John Lee Hancock talking about the little things and how he got that to HBO. Yeah, that, that was cool. Um, just because it, it's such a difficult process. I've got five different things that are in Hollywood hell right now in various stages. And seeing something that gets over the finish line is just is huge. Um, the Filardi brothers recently talking about chapel weight. You know, that, that was great. I mean, you just don't get that kind of inside information. I mean, when I signed my first TV deal, I had no idea how those types of things got made. And I would have loved to have been able to listen to a podcast and hear people that are actually making them, you know, what they're going through. And get at least a little bit more familiar with it before I had some of those phone calls. So those are the ones that, that I really enjoy. Yeah, Andy Weir was a fun one too, even yeah. though he spoiled yeah. his whole book. <laughs> <laughs> I still read it after, but I somehow managed to like not listen to those parts. But uh, yeah, he's, he's, I know you've talked to him a couple different times too, and uh, he's just so funny and just such a 
humble, genuine, down earth guy. Reverent, like yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. And, and jo- we mentioned Josh, like uh, J- Josh, and uh, is is just always fun. To, we've talked to him several times, and uh, yeah, there's there's and the ones you guys. I mean, they again, like you said, how do you pick one? Like they've yeah. they've been. We've had a lot of good guests. All of them, but T.W. Piper Brook. That's the worst. <laughs> That's the worst. I gotta call him out. So, hey, if, if anything, I think we should give Jay here a round of applause just simply I agree. for being able to manage those interviews. <laughs> Well, Jay, Jay reads the books, like yeah. and, like all those books, and most of them, mo- most of them, and watches the series, and like he does a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So, I've teed yeah. up, you know, like he he was he interviewed Matthew McConaughey, and he did not sound nervous interviewing Matthew McConaughey, or some of the other ones that I've teed up. Like I, I, I feel like I need to get somebody just to see if I can. Rap. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we don't do yet. we obviously don't do video for the show, but the. Zoom screenshot he sent me of him next to Matthew McConaughey was the funniest. <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever. It was amazing. You know, the funny story about that, it was the only episode of the show my wife was really interested in. <laughs> awesome. I think someone else had their hand raised for another question. We'll go to JP and then Dana. So, Zach, you kind of alluded to this, but for each of you, if you have one, what is your personal brand in one or two sentences, and how did you come to that conclusion? I'm figuring that out right now. I kind of said my, I, you know, like, yeah, I, I kind of said like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, it's, it's weird when, what's, what Dana got me thinking about was like, you know, people always ask like what I write and I always go, well, post-apocalyptic, like, and they automatically think about zombies, but then that gives like this, uh, you know, whole thing that she, I mean, she mentioned the zombie thing specifically. And so I started thinking, I was like, man, but like, that's not what the story, even like you watch a show like The Walking Dead, it's not about zombies. Like they're in the background, but it's really about the drama and the relationships of all these people, you know? So like for me, again, like, you know, I try, like my stuff's all dark, like, you know, it it does take place in post-apocalyptic settings for now, even though I have stuff I want to do that's not in that realm. Um, You know, most stuff takes place in the Southern United States because that's where I've spent most of my life, except for a couple things we co-wrote. And uh, you know, it's like normal people, like I said, you know, so. uh, I don't know, your, your answer is probably interesting because you're in such a transition right now, kind of what you're doing. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it's I mean, so interesting. Me well. I, I really am in a transition in many ways. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open about it, but it's, sometimes it's hard to talk about because it's, it's so fuzzy for me right now. And like, JD's been a great mentor and kind of helping me see things that I wasn't able to see prior. So uh, I definitely like the darker stuff, but like there's got to be a kernel of hope in it. And, and I think that's something that um, can easily get lost when you look at some of the more, you know, hardcore elements of horror suspense is, um, you know, just just brutal violence for the sake of it. And I'm not interested in that. But but overall, I, I really am in a, in a I'm in a transitional phase right now. And hearkening back to, to Jeff's talk this morning, like I'm trying to be patient and kind with myself and be like, just let it unfold. Like, do whatever JD tells me to do. Don't question it. Just do it. Like, cause, like it might suck, but like it's it's taking me somewhere, and and I just have to wait and see where that's going to be. I've honestly been lucky enough to have a year of some really big authors. Um, you know, when I first started this, Dean Koontz told me, you know, that he branded himself as a suspense thriller author, um, and I've kind of modeled like if you go to my Wikipedia page, he helped me with the wording of that particular page, and that's you know everything that I do is modeled after that. So I write suspense thrillers that may have elements of horror. But a, or suspense thrillers that may have elements of sci-fi in it or whatever, but suspense thriller is, is more or less what I'm doing, um, which is my common thread. Like, if you're going to cross genres, you have to have some kind of common thread to keep the reader involved. 
Um, literary popcorn, I think, best describes what I'm writing. Like, my goal is to, to take people outside their, you know, the, the negative parts of the world, take them away from everything for a little while, entertain them. Um, I'm not trying to sell any kind of social me social message. I'm not going to, you know, get all political on you in a book. I just want you to pick it up, enjoy yourself, and, and forget about your problems for a little while, you know, until you close that cover. Um, that's that's honestly my goal, and I just I try to do that for the largest possible audience I can. Dana, I know you had a question. It's a good one. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that one because this has come up a couple of times. So I, I thought I was a hardcore pantser from the, from the get-go, but I've been doing a lot of plotting lately after working with Patterson. Um, and I'm finding that he's been right. You know, it, it's saved me a lot of trouble. I'm, I'm not writing as much in the, or not as much as getting thrown away or cut from the, the finished product. It's a lot more concise. I think I'm going to be a lot more productive of an author doing that. Um, so I'm trying to find the, the right middle ground there between pantsing and creating a full-on outline. I, I don't think I have to go the diva route and create a 200-page outline, uh, but having one or two sentences for each chapter, you know, it definitely helps get that book done. I think for me, the, the podcast, more so than the writing and some of the mentors I've had, have helped me come to the realization that uh, everything doesn't have to be so serious. Uh, I tend to take myself way too seriously. I know I joke around a lot, but like internally, I'm always thinking like, well, this podcast has to like change the podcasting landscape, or this book has to be like a literary revolution. Like, no, it's, it can just be funny. Like, it can just be fun. Like, the writing it can be fun, and that, and that can be it. And, and I think I, that's what I, you know, a few years ago, I just felt like I put a lot of pressure on myself to create something epic. And I'm like, no, some, some things can just be stupidly funny. Yeah, I think for me, and this kind of piggybacks off what you said, like, you know, um, I, I feel like I've been on this journey the last couple of years, and, you know, a lot of people in the room, like, even speakers kind of alluded today, have made jokes about how, like, I'm not on social media and stuff, and, um, like, I feel like that kind of really kick-started thing, because the big reason I got off there was because I was having so much, like, uh, comparisonitis, and um, it, it was toxic for me. I was in these author groups, seeing these authors. Like I was in this one author group that had some pretty heavy hitters in the indie world, and you know they're throwing all these big numbers, they're making a month and stuff, all these big word counts. And I'm like, this is not helpful. Like this is just making me realize what I'm not doing, and getting me on this place where I'm like really focusing on myself. And I think part of what the podcast has done for me is it's really taken me all the way, even though I still have a lot of that indie mindset, it's really taken me out of that like, whole like, you know, you have to like, you have to rapidly publish and this is the formula for how you, you know, you can make it here. And hearing all these different interviews and stuff on the podcast and just, you know, um, you know t seeing how Jay's evolved, talking to JD every week and, you know, becoming friends with him and getting to know him has just made me realize like there's no, like, you know, I have, <clears throat> there's other things that I want to like have as priorities in my life. Like that's a big reason I left my day job was so I could control my time. And I don't want to sit there for eight hours a day and just write 10,000 words. Like I can't do that anyway. So like, why was I ever chasing that when I realized I couldn't do it? Uh, so I think that it's been a huge mindset shift for me where I've just been like, just happier and more relaxed over like the past year or so, which is surprising because I know a lot of people haven't been, but um, it's, 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 that's really helped me out a lot, so. I think it's Alicia, maybe check Slack for me. Yeah, Alicia? Hey, I was just wondering, because um, I know I shared about my experience with the 
short fiction. Uh, you're not really dabbling in that, are you? <laughs> no, I honestly wish I could. Um, but everything, it, it, when I come up with an idea, I, I'll tell myself it's going to be a short story or it's going to be a novella or it's going to be this, but it always ends up being 120,000 words no matter what I, <laughs> no matter what I do. Um, writing a short story, I, I think, is actually harder than writing a novel in a lot of ways. It's, um, it, just like when you try to write that back of book blurb, it's a lot more difficult than writing the novel. And when you try to drill it down to a tagline, that's harder than, than anything. Try to sum up your book in five or six words. It's near impossible. Um, if you can, you probably got a bestseller on your hands. Um, yeah, I'd love to be able to write more short fiction. I'm, it's, it's not something I'm capable of doing, um, but I, I, I'm going to keep trying. I mean, I, I, I've tried. Um, they just tend to, to go along. I mean, I, I'm definitely uh, experimenting with that. And, and again, like uh, I've been talking to, to some people about that and getting some advice on it. And uh, for me, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a choice. Like it's not an either or. Like I, you know. I have the, the the dialogue manuscript that JD was talking about earlier. Like that's that's still in play. Like we'll eventually get to that. But at the same time, I'm also focusing on some short serialized fiction. I, you know, I, I threw a couple things up on Bella. I have another project that, that I'm working on. So uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's a hard choice. And I think that if if short short form fiction is something that interests you or something you feel like you have an affinity for. I think now's a good time to pursue that. Like I, I, I feel it too. I feel like there's a there's momentum towards shorter form fiction, um, and so if you have those inclinations, I think now's a good time to chase them. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I'm definitely keeping my eye out on what's going on and like how short fiction is evolving. You know, I'm really paying a lot of attention to what Jay's doing, and um, you know, have had great conversations with Stephanie Bond, who's going to talk tomorrow. Um, you know, because for me, short fiction, like I enjoy it, but it's always been kind of like a palate cleanser between longer works. Um, and, but, you know, and not something I've really tried to pursue from a business standpoint, but I've definitely got my eye on it. Because I think that there's a lot going on where people, and I know uh, Jim Kukrell, he's, he's been saying for years, like that people are going to want that just short bursts, like where they can get on their phone. Um, you know, and, and, and read just bits of a story. And I, I think that's going somewhere. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out, if they, you know, how, how that works. So I'm definitely keeping my eye on Yeah, and, and I don't want to gloss over your, your preface of that question yeah. around, you know, grief brain or addiction or any other kind of health concerns that you have because it's easy for a healthy person to say, well, yeah, you just sit down and write. Like, yeah. you just do that, right? But, like, we're all unhealthy at certain times in certain ways, and so short fiction can be a, a nice way of feeling like you're 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 getting somewhere, but also being um, aware of the other stuff that's happening inside of you. Uh, we had uh, the the one Slack question we have right now from Julie is: Are me and you having a beard competition? <laughs> JD's winning. So. <laughs> We are we're, we're prepping for our beard uh, product line, so we, we have to get it. You know, we're cut kind of, and that, and we're also gonna take this. We're gonna do a ZZ Top uh, tribute band. We're gonna take this out on the road and Frank Beard, right? The only guy without the beard. So, what's funny is like got a beard. Jay and I have a podcast we haven't announced yet. I hope I, I, I now I'm realize I'm saying that on our podcast. Yeah, thanks. But uh, don't but, tell anyone, internet. Yeah, but. Uh, I, I feel like I'm talking in the room and I'm not I'm talking to them, but but it was funny because we got a logo made that is like we got 
art made of us, like actual di drawings made of us. And so stupid. It is so, it is so ridiculous, but the beards are like, it's so funny. I was dying when I saw that. She put like shimmer and shine in there and stuff, and it was, it was really funny. But Zach, you're not surprising anybody to say Jacob. I, I know. Everyone, <laughs> everyone can literally take a drink. There it is. New podcast. Like, yeah, so, but uh, yeah. I feel like I ought to say, uh, <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit earlier today about community, which is something that's really been on my mind a lot lately. Uh, the nature, because of the nature of my work, I move through a lot of different worlds. Um, and I know a lot of people I can call up to have a beer or buy to eat with, but I don't really have a lot of writer friends or author friends. And I'm just kind of curious to hear from you if you could talk a little bit about your own author communities, you know, what they're like and what they what they've meant to you. Thank you. And uh, you do now. Look around. <laughs> you have a community now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I run, I run a community and, uh, you know, links in the show notes. It's always there if anyone's interested in checking it out. But it's uh, those of us that are in it. And Chris Kane runs it with me. She's my business partner in that venture. So uh, shout out to her. Um, we, we have a pretty nice uh, division of labor. We kind of play to our strengths there. And um, our goal, really what we talk about is creating a family. Like that's, that's sort of the vibe we're, we're going for in the community. And I think what's important is that you find the, the community that best suits what you're looking for. So not every community is a good fit for every person. Uh, there, are, there are massive writer communities filled with hundreds of thousands of people where you can get the information you need like instantly. And we've decided, Chris and I are like, that's just not what we're doing. Like um, we, we want we want a family uh, vibe to it. So we are looking for authors who are not necessarily interested in publishing a book a month, or they're not trying to hack the AMS ads algorithm. They are interested in, uh, in learning craft, in getting, uh, getting better at, at storytelling, in connecting with other authors who have a, a, a similar uh, approach. It's really a lifestyle. That's what we're like, what does it mean to be to have an author life, right? And that's gonna be different for everybody. But I think what's key uh, for that is finding that community that suits you and then engaging. And that's the hard part. All of us, myself included, will uh, enter a community and we, we kind of stick on, on the wall, right? Like we, we, we hang back and we kind of watch what unfolds. And there's a natural evolution there. But if you don't eventually engage, you're not, you're not going to get the benefit out of it, which is why I've mentioned here, like when, when we break for, for uh, tacos and wine, which is a great combination, um, like circle around, you know, uh, go and, and talk, walk up to someone you haven't talked to yet and, and engage. And, I, and I, I would say that's as true in online communities as it is in events. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the biggest aspect, I think, to this, because writers in general tend to be introverts. Um, so even in a group of other writers, we, you know, it's, it's against our instinct to go and talk to somebody else. I mean, it's one of the reasons my wife and I actually don't do a whole lot of conferences together, because when we go to an event like this together, we hang out together, and we talk to each other, and we tend to ignore everybody else. If I'm here by myself, I have to talk to you guys. <laughs> like I don't get a choice. Um, my best friend is a truck driver for a grocery store, so <laughs> it's probably the, 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 you know, the biggest gap, I think, in, in my life. But he doesn't understand any of the stuff that's happening in this world. 
Um, but I do have a lot of writer friends, and it, it's nice to be able to talk to them about this sort of thing and, you know, the different aspects of this career because it's a very weird career, you know, like you, when you start getting published or you get a TV show or, you know, Netflix is calling you the next day and you want to talk to somebody else about that kind of thing. Um, other writers have been there, done that, and you have to reach out and, and ask those questions of them. And most of them are will be very open in discussing that kind of thing with you. They'll tell you, you know, on the film and TV side, stay away from this producer, but this one's okay. They'll give you the inside dirt. Um, you're not going to get that if you're not making relationships, and it's the same thing with agents and with publishers and everything else. You know, talk to the other people around you. Though, you know, everybody has been there. Everybody has dealt with this. At, at one, they're, they're, nobody's reinventing the wheel in, in this. You know? yeah, and I'll, uh, one quick thing I want to add to that because um, he mentioned it in his talk. Like I did that to JD, mm -hmm. right? Two years ago at Thriller Fest, I I cornered him by the elevator and said, "Man, I'd love to talk to you." Um, and we—I mean, I knew who he was, but we'd, we'd never met. And and so I, you know, there. And, and here we are now, hundredth episode of this podcast. So you, you just never know. You know, uh, people are going to say, "Okay, yeah, I'm too busy," or "Yeah, email me," and that's fine. That'll happen. But who knows? Like that one conversation that you strike up, you just never know where that's going to lead. Well, I mean, JP mentioned it earlier too. I mean, you know, you met co-writers. I mean, you and Abe. You know, like. That's been a really cool thing for me to watch is like, you know, I saw you guys meet at Authors on a Train and now you guys have this six book urban fantasy series like that's like pretty much done. I mean, you guys are like a good chunk of the way into it. And uh, like, you know, I don't know, just for me, like the do, doing these events and, and, and being able to, you know, I mean, I've made friends that I'm going to have forever, like from doing from doing these events, whether it's the comp, whether it's the Career Author Summit, which, you know, used to be Summer Book Show and then. Uh, or doing our, our world building events or authors on a train or whatever, you know, and uh, it's, you know, that's kind of been my community, especially as someone who's not on social media. Um, and it's been, yeah, it's been awesome and life changing. So yeah, thank all you guys. For the record, I'm not open to podcast pitches. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me regret I even said anything. <laughs> Chad? Uh, long time listener, first time viewer. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> There's a reason we don't do video. <laughs> Even though we got all true lies down here. Um, what's uh, one takeaway that you guys are getting from today's talks? Like, what's one thing that kind of resonated with you? Uh, for me, it's just reinforcing the branding. You know, like I, it makes me feel like I'm going in the right direction with, with that sort of thing. Um, that, that's huge. Yeah, I, I kind of, I mean, I don't want to repeat it, but it, a lot of the branding stuff for me, you know, and, and really looking at my whole brand and just not looking at a book by book level, uh, I think that was like, that's what got my brain really churning a lot today. Yeah, so I, I'll pick something a little different just so we have a little uh, something different. Uh, <laughs> I, I think for me it was, it was, Jeff validated this idea that like you can stop things. Yeah. I always feel guilty about that. I call them quitting, and I like stopping better. Um, but this idea that, like, yeah, it's okay. Like, there are going to be some things that you do that are either not going to work, or they're going to run their course. And like, that's what we had with the Career Author Podcast. It wasn't that like we had a falling out, or we hate each other, or we thought it was stupid, or whatever. It was like, okay, we've kind of said what we want to say in this space, and and we're just going to stop. And and when I heard Jeff talking about that this morning, I was like. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay to stop. Any other questions in the room? I can jump to a couple on Patreon. Um, so as writers, we get better with each book we write. And 
And if you're writing a series, whether that gets from five, it's going to be significantly better than just one was. How do you resist the temptation to go back to people with one? What do you do? I run into that all the time because you know Forsaken sold really well. A lot of people have copies of that, but you know I know my other books were much better written than that one. Um, and I I went back and revisited it because I'm working on a sequel right now, so I reread it. And like there were cringeworthy parts in there, at least from my standpoint. Like why did I do that? Like I I know better. Um, I just I didn't at the time. Um, but I, I've had this conversation with a lot of authors that have been around for a while, um, and that's you know a book is kind of a snapshot of your career at that particular moment. Um, it's not worth like really going back because it tells the reader who you were at that particular time. Um, you know, so there's a lot of you know you're capturing your life where you were at. A lot of different things are being captured in, in a little little bottle there in that book. Um, so I think it's worth leaving alone you know, just just for the you know the nostalgia of it. Um, otherwise, I think you'll drive yourself crazy. <laughs> to go back and re-edit your books over and over and over again. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, your talk actually today got me like thinking about, you know, you, you said something along the lines of, you know, uh, it, you know, if you have a bad book out there, it could, beat you, it could bite you in the butt later with traditional publishers. And like, cause my, my first book I published is not good. Like it's, I, I, it's just the writing. I'm just a much better writer now. And I know there's a lot of stuff in there, but like I always have to, and I always, think, I'm like, man, it'd be nice, but it's got an audio book. So it's just, it would be a pain in the ass to go back and do. But then I have to remind myself, like, it's got like a thousand reviews and it's like a 4.2 average. So I have to be like, well, people are buying, and it makes me the most money out of anything I do. So I'm like, clearly there's something that people like about this book. So like, I just have to keep trucking forward and like not spend time going back and trying to tinker with that. But that's hard, <laughs> you know, but I, I guess my attitude has always been like, okay, just like every book I write is going to be better than the last, you know? Um, so... Yeah, I don't know, but your talk definitely got me thinking. Like, damn it, got me thinking about it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're we're in Music City, so I'll, I'll use an example. Like, uh, there are certain bands that I've listened to who have gone back into the studio and re-recorded a classic album. That's a great point. And they're terrible. Yeah, they sound, I mean, they're the same songs. Often they're the same musicians, um, but. But that recording captured a moment in time between those people and those instruments and the, the percentage of humidity that was in the air that day. And you can't recreate that. Like, yes, it's the same song, but it's not. And I, I, always, th I always thought about that of saying like, yeah, you know, if Guns N' Roses once were like, we're gonna go in the studio and re-record Appetite, I would like be, I would protest. I would be like, cancel culture. No, no, you know, like. <laughs> And I think, I think about that for books, too. Like, I, I would think as a reader, I wouldn't want Stephen King to go back and rewrite Pet Cemetery now. Like, I like Pet Cemetery the way it is. So, I don't know. Like, maybe that gets you off the hook, and maybe some people are going to tinker with it. But I, I don't, as, as a consumer or a fan, I, I don't like that. I'm just checking Slack. Any other questions? One or two more, maybe? One or two, yes. Stephanie? <laughs> uh, well, how, how many more hours do we have in this room? Well, this might be uh, our last question. Yeah, this could be the last question. <laughs> I, I still believe that, that this is the golden age of podcasting. And, and I, I'm starting with that observation because I think there could be people in the room or people listening who are thinking like, 
I missed it. It's too late. There's like a bazillion pod. Everyone has a podcast now. You know, it's like it's like blogs were 15 years ago. Everyone had a blog, and each blog had an average readership of two. Um, you know, your parents. Uh, but I don't. I don't think that's the case. I, I think that podcasting now, especially for uh, segments of the population that have not had the equal opportunity of having a voice, I, I think it's an incredibly important responsibility um, to share that voice. It doesn't mean that you're going to have uh, you know, commercial success or you're going to generate a ton of revenue. I mean, I know, Stephanie, you use fiction podcasts in a way that, that's brilliant and you're going to share some of that tomorrow. But I, but when you took it, take a look at like just basic podcasts in general, they don't make money. They just don't. I mean, there are, there are a ton of statistics on, on generating ad revenue and sponsorships. I mean, we're lucky that we have, you know, Kobo sponsors us because they know our audience is exactly their audience. So it, it makes perfect sense. But if you're talking about, you know, the per impression or, or how many, you know, per thousand listeners and what, what's the ad revenue on that, for 99% for, for of the podcasters, it's zero. But the reason podcasting is so important, and, and, and I'm being serious in this, the reason I've had so many podcasts is that teaching or speaking about something forces clarity on it, no matter what it is, whether it's podcasting or presenting, and I know that's why JD was interested in podcasting, is he wanted to refine his public speaking skills. Anytime you have to explain verbally to someone something, you're learning from it, and, and I think there's no better uh, there's no better way than podcasting because you can track your progress. Like you can go right now and you can look up episode one of the Horror Writers Podcast, which is my first episode in 2014. And it, I'm getting a little nauseous right now thinking about it. But you can, you can go listen to it. And it's me. And you'll be like, oh, my God. All right. So there's – there's It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I expected that from Marianne. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it really like you. You can really, you can really hear the growth, and, and and I think that's you know, if you have a if you have a growth mindset and you want to get better and you're and you're not afraid of putting yourself out there, uh, there, there's there's no better medium for it for it right now. Well said. I've nothing to add to that. Maybe get like one more, Michelle. And then the second of that is for Zach and Day, you have another writing book project, collaborative project. So I've already got a writing book under contract that I've been working on for, I think, four years now. Um, I mentor a lot of people. So what I've been doing is actually capturing all of those emails, those text messages, all the communication back and forth between the, the mentor students and myself. Um, and then basically following that entire trail. So they, they come to me with, you know, this is my problem and why I haven't been able to write a book. And I take them all the way to the point where, you know, with some of them where they get a really nice traditional deal. Um, so that's because I, I knew if I, want, if I was going to write a writing book, I didn't want to do the same writing book that every other author has put out there. Um, so this one is real stories. It has a real communication, you know, showing exactly what we did, what we changed, what we tweaked that got them from a point where they couldn't get an agent to all of a sudden getting a six-figure deal. Um, so I've, I've got enough, I think, of those types of stories now where we can probably get it done. I just, I've got a really full plate with the fiction stuff. So every time my agent asks me about it, I'm like, well, it's, it's there, I'm working on it. But yeah, it's, fiction is just kind of taking the, the front seat right now. 
I, yeah, I think uh, without getting into specifics, uh, I'll say that in 2022, uh, I'm leading the charge on, on building out the three-story method brand. So there are going to be companion books uh, that go along with the flagship book uh, that, that uh, are specific to certain aspects of the craft or the industry. And for most of those, uh, and there's some people in this room, for most of those I'm collaborating with other people who have that special skill um, so that we can, we can help more people. Uh, so I think for me in, in nonfiction, that's definitely something that's on my radar. And, uh, and, and the reason Three Story Method is because that book seemed to strike a chord. I mean, it wasn't explosive, you know, it wasn't an explosive bestseller, but it's been very consistent. And uh, it's the book where people tell me, like, yeah, I've listened to it multiple times, or I've, I keep reading it, or I have it on my desk. So that tells me that there, there's something there in that methodology, and, and so uh, I'm going to build that out. Yeah. I mean, just piggyback off that, I mean, there's, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of let him take the charge on the three-story method brand. I have one three-story method book that I have started on. But it's kind of like, it, it is kind of in the back burner because I'm really focusing on fiction, um, which is the big reason why I'm letting him kind of take the charge on it. Not letting him, but like, you know. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gave blessing to do that. But, um, uh, and then I have a couple of other ideas I haven't even talked to you about for like writing books that I want to do um, that are like at the very early like developmental, like I'm starting to like outline stage. Um, but the, the three-story method book, I definitely, you know, I'm hoping to get out around the same time as, as this one so we can kind of, have 2022 be like a really good year for that so yeah. all right let's wrap, wrap it up. up i think that's good all right here comes the the at the, the read at the end you have to read it to our listeners <laughs> make sure you go to writersingpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end we'll see you next episode and have a great week of writing <laughs>